Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickel. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hello, Freedom Nation. It's Jeff here once again, and we are on the Freedom Nation podcast. Today, I've got Patrick Grimes on with investonmainstreet.com. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about what he does and helps investors invest in distressed uh, commercial property as well as distressed debt or debt instruments. So Patrick, welcome. How are you today, sir? Jeff, really excited to be here. I'm doing great. On a, on, a, on a little bit of a trip here over the summer in Honolulu, so a little earlier my time than yours, and looking forward to engaging in the conversation. Yeah, you, you do realize it's October, so it's not summer anymore, dude. <laughs> I have to extended the trip incrementally here in the fall. Yeah, amazingly, we've stretched it a little bit farther, so. Well, cool. So uh, why don't we get started, Patrick, by telling us a little bit about your story. How did you get to where you are today? Well, so I, like many of your listeners, was a cubicle warrior. Uh, <laughs> I was in, was in a cubicle prison. I actually, I love what I do. What I did was a machine design, automation, and robotics. I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, a master's in engineering, and an MBA. And I, I did automation for medical devices, solar cells, EV vehicles, defense, oh. aerospace. Really cool, like one of a kind custom machines. And I was paid well. I was. It was it was adventurous because I was constantly working on new gizmos and guys in geek heaven, right? And yeah, but I got some advice early on to, to go. In fact, by the owner of the machine design firm, first one that I worked for, he said that his real regret was not investing more in real estate sooner, and then I should buy as much as I can as soon as I can. So I did got really eager real fast after I got that advice <laughs> and. Quickly lost everything in 2008 and nine, being way too hasty, leveraging too much, mm-hmm. all in and in, in development, risky assets, and everything flipped upside down. But worked my way out of that, uh, followed the breadcrumbs of the wealthy because I was still a high paid professional. I had to somewhere I had to invest, and that led me back to real estate, kicking and screaming. Okay. <laughs> that had a much more risk averse, calculated way, and that's what led to kind of the growth of a single family to large apartment portfolio. Nice. That is now 4,000 plus units and half a billion in real estate, as well as you know a large oil and gas portfolio. We've got over $20 million in, in natural gas and oil wells. And we have this acquisitions fund and a debt fund, as we talked about too. So great way to take advantage of the recession. So let's let's kind of step back a little bit. How did you get, you know, so you started single family. Were you just buying house by house at that point? Or did you start, you know, pulling in investors to be able to buy a bigger portfolio or how did you do it? So after losing everything in pre-development, which was the very speculative side in, you know, when I was in before 2008-9, I wanted to buy, I learned about cash flow, right? I learned about buying in recession resilient markets. And so I'm in other quality. I was, yeah, I was in Southern California where it's not landlord friendly, it's not tax advantaged. And, you know, it's just 
you can't buy for cash flow. It's this horrible place. So yeah, I need to go. And so I did a bunch of analysis and research. I built an analyst myself, and I I arrived at Texas and Houston specifically. And, okay. and so I started buying existing assets with known comparables that they were trailing behind, wow. and I could buy, renovate, and measurable improvement an existing cash flowing asset, and then cash flow, and then I can refi out my capital and. And then repeat. And it was essentially what they call the Burr method now. I, yep. I didn't know that. I don't think that it was called that back then. It was just doing real estate deals. It was just buying. You were, you know, were, yeah, you were, you were just renovating and flipping. But yeah. I was holding, you know. Oh, you're holding. Okay. Yeah. yeah but, I, but I was just making it work and I was moonlighting it with my wife. And yep. uh, it was brutal. Sure. <laughs> so, because, you know, you're high and demanding, high paid. Whether you're a doctor, attorney, whatever, you know, an engineer traveling around, getting master's degrees, trying to make it work at your cash flow income Wait. job, trying to become your own expert in another industry, whether yeah. that be real estate or any any other side gig, it's demanding. Say so it takes eight thousand hours to get mastery in something. Well, if you've already done that and what you're doing, doing that again in something else is brutal. And there's always somebody ahead of you because yeah. You know, there's always the next guy getting deals a little bit better than mine that had been in the industry for decades longer than me. So it was it was through that time when I was I was succeeding, but I was burning the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. And I realized I needed to take a break and to marry my wife. <laughs> so okay. and that was when I did my last single family closing. And after that, I told her we're trading up, we're partnering now. We're learning to, I'm a partner with existing operators. We're gonna trade into larger multifamily assets that we can we can buy in different markets, and I can partner with guys that will help acquire and manage as well um, as renovate these, and yeah. we can scale. And I can use my superpowers, which is deal finding and analyzing, and what what ended up being capital raising too. It turns out I had a, high, a large network of high tech professionals, yeah, of investing with me and who, and, who were and like this. you that were looking to. Okay, yeah. how do I? Yeah, how do I do this? And you just kind of led the path for them. I, I guess it was just they had only invested millions of dollars in automation equipment, and then when yeah. I and that was and I said, well, let's do something that's a lot less risky, mm-hmm. right? Let's yeah. do. Uh, and it worked out. So yeah, we built a large portfolio. Invest on Main Street uh, as was is the brand, and and we have you know lots of investors in real estate and oil and gas that have benefited and. Passive investing mastery is what we have now, which okay. is geared towards educating diversified portfolio of assets, all all non-correlated to the stock market. Don't rise and fall with the stock market. Tax advantage, income, cash flow. That's really our focus. And recession resilience, obviously, because that's that's the big keyword for me. Because right. I don't want to lose it again. <laughs> and so I've been really really cautious. The tortoise not there. And building my my portfolio to date, and we're uniquely positioned at this point to really take advantage of some of the really amazing buys right now that we're yeah. seeing. So let's talk a little bit about that. You you primarily are focused on the the commercial market. What uh, what are you seeing? I mean, I know there's you you hear it in the news, and you hear you know I know on my other podcast we talk about a lot of what's going on with the the regional banks and some of the you know commercial properties. So. Talk a little bit about it from your perspective as an investor. Yeah, so the the last three to five years, say the last ten years, very different. 
right, than what it is like today. It was before that we would buy properties and we could rely on steady state rent growth. And that meant that if we bought something that was a little under market, we could renovate it and then bump up those rents. And then that would attribute to a greater valuation, right? We could get great cash flow and valuation. Yeah. Well, now with interest rates rising, it's harder to cash flow in these yeah. assets. Valuations are subsiding, you know, 15, 20, in some markets, 30% in commercial real estate. So there's a big reset happening. And so if you don't go in, and the principles I talk about, which could be a whole different podcast on how to build recession resilience in your portfolio, but the principles are very low leverage, which means low loan to values, cash flowing, lots of capital reserves, replacement insurance, recession resilient markets, all these things, landlord friendly. You bet it all to last, then you'll ride this out. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. But how to do a deal today? Well, it's very different. It, we, the deals three to five years ago are, are very different than today. And, and the deals in three to five years from now are going to be very different than today, I yeah. think. So what's happening today is I'm getting calls constantly for operators, owners, metal to large commercial assets that are struggling. Yeah. They're, Maybe they just got unlucky and they got a short-term bridge loan that's coming due right now and they're, they're, all of their cash flow is eaten up by inflation and higher interest rate payments. The insurance has gone up, tax has gone up. Maybe they had a bunch of COVID delinquencies, which has been a major problem. People didn't restart paying rents yeah. after COVID. Uh, rent, rent assistance dried up and then the courts got backed up, right? So mm-hmm. there's just a ton of reasons why these amazing real estate deals that performing cash flowing properties are financially under distress. It's not the property, it's the yeah. operators, right? It's a distressed operator, not the asset. And those are two different, those are very different things. It's, People not, it's not like it's a dilapidated building that you're buying. You're buying a nice building with a with a dilapidated owner at that point. Yeah. They, they, you know what? They just didn't, they didn't set themselves up with enough resilience in their operating business and, yeah. and the financial foundation of the property or the insurance or the reserves or whatever it is to be able to ride this out. And and so we can be the source of relief. We can be yeah. the source of relief. And it has happens like every day. I, somebody hit me up. We can be a source of relief financially to a yeah. financial issue. Not a distress issue, but a financial issue, which is which is either through our Pim Rapid Lending, our originating company that does loans, commercial loans, we can be the source of Gap or bridge lending, which can help them if their loans coming due and they need a bridge to get past it, or maybe their interest rate cap needs to be re-upped, which is used to be hundred thousand. Now it's a million dollars, and they didn't plan for that, right? And they need to, so maybe they need to, maybe they need you know to really structure their debt, or maybe they just need a little more capex budget because inflation increased, and they can get they're almost done. They're like ten percent, twenty percent to go. You know, so we're a source of relief by providing gap or bridge lending through our income fund. And so you know, investors in our income fund can enjoy incredible, incredibly high interest rates right now from great performing assets because interest rates are up sure. and the banks are, can, are are pulling back their lending. It's a, still the same performing asset, cash flowing asset. Like we just originated a loan that was, or right now we're in the process of it. It cash flows at 10, a 10, 10 cap rate. A ten percent cap rate property, so it's cash flowing at all cash at ten percent performing okay. asset. It's a fifty percent loan to value, and we're originating that at thirteen percent with two points. So that's like fifteen percent in the first year. I mean, that's an amazing interest rate for an investor to get 
I'm yeah. room with monthly cash flow at a first position at less than half of loan to value. Yeah. Very, very safe. And so the equity investors right now are getting screws because all of that value is coming out of their pocket. Yeah. All the primary debt investors, the, the senior debt, the first position, are in a much safer spot because they're the last person to lose yeah. after all the equity loses. And they get the high interest rates today. So it's, it's really interesting. So on the debt side, we have that. And on the equity side, if they're like, the operators are like, no, nah, I want out. Or we don't yeah. believe them. We don't believe that they're going to get out. We'll just say, look, we'll just buy it. Then we can come in in all cash. Okay. We can come in in all cash. We can buy it. We can backfill it with, with leverage if we want. But, uh, but that allows us to reset the basis of this property at a price point where we can, where it will be a healthy project. Sure. Where we can cash. Uh, is that something, yeah, yeah. something that then you're going to, you're going to take control of that project, do whatever you need to, and then resell it? Or, or what typically are you doing? Renting it out? Yeah, so one of the asset, the, the asset we just picked up, we got it at four point one million in cash. Okay, right, and there was two other higher offers, but we closed in after we completed due diligence. We we closed in fourteen days, so we just came all cash okay. and bought it. And this is really an acquisition fund. Then we have the debt fund, the income fund, and the acquisition fund. So on this one, we chose to just buy the asset. Right, got it. Was well, in the acquisition acquisition fund. Investors get to enjoy a lot more upside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we bought it, and there was two higher offers. Right after we bought it, we appraised at $5 million. So right after the bat, you know, we're at almost a million dollars on a $4 million asset just from buying right. And that's the key, yeah. right? Now, it happens to be that that asset cash flows right off the bat, very strong cash flow. But even it cash flows at 60% occupancy, which is what it's at. Okay. Well, there's 40% upside from just doing a lease up. And the owners... We're not sophisticated. They were just mom and pop living in California, managing Midwest property, and just didn't know what to do. We hunted it down off market, closed quick, got in. And the after the after lease up value was appraised at eight million. So yeah. there isn't really a lot of lift to be done. Yeah. Just somebody who's not financially distressed that has the ability to catch up and doesn't have that's not behind on loan payments. It doesn't have that has big debt. Yeah, you you own it straight up, and yeah, you know, you're able to cash flow that. For your investors, you're able to cash flow them while you get it, you know, improved upon. Which yeah, is we have the we have the capital, the the know how to market it right, to get it occupied, to get the right brokers in place, and to do that swiftly. And yeah. so the, the key behind recessionary acquisitions is buying right. It's not yeah. buying and then hoping on three to five year growth. In fact, I don't want to put my investors' capital in a three to five year deal. If it's one asset, because they're going to miss this entire buying window. It's one of the most extraordinary buying windows of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, so if you go to the acquisitions fund, we're going to immediately buy things, right? We're going to do a quick few month, maybe lease up with very light improvements, if any. Then we're going to tr- refile part of our capital, like 50%, real low, buy a second asset, and then do an exchange of the first to a third. So the first asset just turned into two assets. We're going to do that into four and that into eight. And so by swiftly trading forward and keeping the velocity of capital high, you buy as many times as you can, stair-stepping yourself up as you go, during this window for the next three to five years when there's just, I mean, we couldn't do this three to five years or the deals were just not this this good on the buy. Yeah, you couldn't even do it two years ago. I mean, it's really been in the last year and a half 
to to two years that this has started. And I, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot more worse to come, you know, because I don't think interest rates are going down anytime soon. Yeah. If you listen to the Fed, Fed basically saying it's going to be high for longer than you think at this point, and we may even see higher. So for, I would assume for your investors, it's a good thing because they're getting typically higher rates. They don't have that, you know, they don't have the downside of bonds where rates go up and their bond prices go down at that point. So kind of the the bonus plan on top of that. So you run two funds. One's the acquisition, one's the debt. Those are for accredited investors, correct? Yeah. So when I started out, uh, even on my very first deal, I've only ever offered a thousand, hundred thousand minimums accredited investors. And I didn't do the friends and family route. Like I, I already lost everything once. I went, I went to very sophisticated investors that knew the risks, and that's how I started. I've always been that way. Now, yeah. if you, if you're not, if you have listeners which are not accredited investors, I'm happy to chat with you. Accredited or not accredited, either way, I'd love to. I'm passionate about getting people on the path because I was once not accredited, you know, and it took some some people that invested time in me to kind of guide me along the way to get there. Right. If you're not, then send up a call. I, and, and the people that do deals for non-accredited investors, they're not on the podcast talking about them because they're not allowed to solicit. That's the whole yeah. catch. Twenty-two, right? So it takes somebody like me. But yeah, so hundred thousand minimums uh, and accredited investors. You have a, and if you're interested, I mean that the debt fund. We can invest as little as ninety days. So that hundred grand you got sitting in the bank, collecting okay. less than a percent, losing with inflation. There's no yep. reason that shouldn't go into a rolling 90-day liquidity option. Uh, we can get you 7%, 188 and a half, 11 on uh, 10, 10 and 11 on one to three years. So, yeah. And then if you have three years with the equity side, we can go above 12 and a half percent. So I mean, it's immediate monthly cash flow with upside. And as I was telling you, the way that the loans are today, there's a lot of exciting dead products you can get. Yeah. Like, return is almost like some of the equity deals of yesteryear. Yeah. But in this, without in this, the volatility of it, though. Without that, the volatility. We're the first position on the property. I mean, I just got done saying that commercial real estate's 10, 15, 20, 30% maybe in some markets. Well, we're not really like 50% loan to value. I mean, we're so, you know, so it's, it's, it's much harder for a asset-backed real estate debt fund to lose an high interest rate environment like this. Yeah, it's fantastic. So for credited, you know, for the audience, credited investor, you make at least two hundred grand a year, or million dollars in investable assets at that point, minus your house. So, you know, I think everybody should work to that in their lives. Quite frankly, I mean, because there there are so many more opportunities in the accredited space. You know, for those of you that are out there that are that are already to one of those two points. You know, these are these are the opportunities that are out there. And, you know, we've been trained, uh, unfortunately, by my industry, we've been trained to say, oh, well, anything over 10 percent, you know, in the stock market is too risky or there's tons of risk. And quite frankly, there's a lot of things that make way better than the stock market and have way less risk. (laughs) The difference is liquidity in most cases. There's not as much liquidity in a lot of these things, although your your short your debt fund really does have great liquidity and and still fantastic rates on and you know on that uh those short term rates 
you know, I get I'm I'm constantly in phone calls with investors, and they're saying, you know, what other deal should I invest in, right? Because I'm in your acquisitions fund, and and I'm like, and they're like, well, I've got like a hundred to a million, two million. I have a guy's got five million dollars sitting in a in a bank account or a brokerage account, right? And they're right now, if you're in Citi, well, uh, Citibank, Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, you get less than like 0.01 percent yeah. interest rate. You're losing five percent. I'm not I'm actual inflation over five percent a year. There's and if you're just socking that away, oh, maybe I'll buy a rental in three months, or maybe I'll invest in the market or something in three months. Well, a ninety day note that you can choose to roll forward is a great response for that. It's exactly well, and you've got people that have been sitting on cash for years, you know, just sitting there. I've got a client, a new client that I brought on board, and I mean. Perfect example, you know, with, between his his individual accounts and his business, he was sitting on like two and a half million dollars. And yeah, you know, I mean, I just once it, sometimes you have to make that simple step. And it was like, okay, why don't we just move some money and put it into a money market? You're going to go from making point nothing to five and a quarter percent. Okay, that's a start. Now let's look at ways that we can improve on it. But you know, it's just it's scary to see how many people. I mean, it's great that they have cash, but they, you know, with that feel good doesn't always feel so good when you start to realize you're, you're, you know, when you put real numbers to it. Uh, and we did the the basic numbers for him, and it was like, dude, that's like a vacation and a lot every yeah. year that you're just giving up because you're you're leaving the money in a bank account. If he's got that, he's probably losing my entire like mortgage in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> every year, right? Yeah, it's that it's that brutal, you know. Yeah. So uh, aside from just cash in the bank and, you know, the, the fear of inflation and potentially regional bank collapsing, I mean, because if you have over, if you have you know, over 250,000 or whatever, 300,000, then you're leveraging in a destabilized banking system. You're putting at risk that those funds and, and asset backed real estate, especially in a, the senior position, is much safer bet. Yeah. And in, in these, but the, uh, aside from, that conversation, there's trillions of dollars sending in IRA and 401k accounts. And, you know, I've, I've got tons of investors that they're, they're under the impression that their, you know, employee sponsored IRAs or 401ks are locked up and hidden away. And that's not the case. I, I write for Forbes. I've got a ton of articles. I just, I just published a new one, the How to Invest for the Upside of Downturns, Patrick yep. Grimes Forbes. And I've got some out there specifically on how to allocate a piece of your retirement funds, IRA and formal into self-directed variants, yep. which allow you to invest in alternative to help balance where America has the majority of their wealth in their single family home and in their retirement funds. Yep. Help balance that out of the stock market right now, that wild roller coaster. And putting some of that into acquisitions funds like mine, where you can win from the downturn, helps to hedge against the decline of the rest of a portfolio. Or into a debt fund where retirement accounts were built for debt funds because they're just insistently push out cash flow. They don't, you have any tax issues with debt funds. So the income fund is just magical. And we're going to have, if you're really in, if you really go down the IRA rabbit hole, uh, there's even something called UBIT where when you invest into, you know, real assets, sometimes the government can be like, hey, maybe you owe us like a, some fewer taxes essentially on part of what you're earning. But we're, we're sophisticated to the point where both in our acquisitions and debt fund, we have UBIT lockers. 
Okay. Which allow you to avoid having to pay UBIT, file the UBIT returns, and we can just pass through what would be a higher return as if you would have just invested directly. So fantastic. We're really built for people that looking to diversify their cash positions, like you said, there, as well as their retirement accounts, because these are the vehicles that really get you there faster. But I mean, you know, I, I look at it too. It's not just people that are sitting on cash. It's people that are sitting with bonds in their portfolio right now. We're we're in a bond bear market massively. You know, the the twenty year debt fund TLT is down, I think, twenty three percent over the last two years. And what people are relying on to be their safe portion of their portfolio. So, you know, I mean, we've had portions of this year where stocks have dropped. I mean, August stocks drop and bonds drop at the same time. So having these type of other types of diversification, utilizing real estate debt, everything else in a portfolio is, I mean, it's an alternative to to bonds, especially in this rising rate environment. Agreed. 100%. The challenge with everybody right now is just that fear. Yeah. I really hate, I really hate the quote Warren Buffett said, when when others are fearful, is your time to be greedy because I'm an analyst. I don't yeah. think you should ever be greedy or fearful. I think you should just be calculated. But but when others are fearful, that is an interesting time to dig into the numbers. Yeah. And, and right now is, is, is if you can look past the fear laundering on the news and you can look past, you know, that, that sense of just hoarding in a way, like I feel safe because I have cash in a volatile bank account or something in a retirement account managed by somebody else in Wall Street, right? You can look past that and you can actually look at the numbers. This is actually one of the most unique and advantageous times to invest in real estate, both on the debt and equity side for decades. Hmm. And so those, the, the typical accredited investors I'm having conversations with and they're kind of overcoming fear. Yeah. But the institutional investors are just dumping cash into these acquisitions and our debt funds. In fact, typically we would have like 140 to 230 average investment for a deal. But it's because we've had such large checks from high net worth individuals coming in, you know, 4 million plus checks yeah. that it's it's gone up above a million dollars on average. Now we do have a lot of $100,000 investors, but, but right now the bigger players are moving, they're deploying capital for this very limited window that you can do so for these higher returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes complete sense. And then you're in the position where, okay, you're earning higher rates as, as other things are going down. You're continuing to earn higher rates for a while. I'll, um... Exactly. Yep. Well, fantastic. Is there anything new in your world that you guys are working on? Or Yeah, so we're the, between the acquisitions fund and the debt fund, we're just having a really great time. There's a lot of exciting things. I'd recommend, you know, reach out. We can, if wherever anybody's out, I'd happy to get them pointed in the right direction. Okay, fantastic. Well, let's jump into the fast five questions now. Ready? Fire away. All right. So you wake up in the morning. Question number one, you wake up in the morning, business is gone. You have 500 bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live. What are you going to do first? Yeah. So I I suppose these are the questions I should have prepared for. So you're going to get like the off the cuff. So so I don't have any savings. I only have 500 bucks. Everything is gone. Do I have my wife and my puppy and my baby boy? You have, a, you have your whole family, everything else, place to live, food, all that good stuff. What are you going to do first day? What am I going to do first day? Well, I'm going to go look for 
where that immediate income is to support the family. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do first day. So I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you got to pay the bills. You know. Yeah, you got to pay. And then obviously you're going to look for, you know, that next. Because I'm, I'm an entrepreneur it's at heart. I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm a very calculated guy. So I'd be looking for it just like I am now. What's the way to lean into whatever it is that caused that issue just like now? We're, we're turning our business around completely and we're focused on leaning into the downturn now. So recessionary acquisitions and recessionary income fund. So whatever that is that drew us down, figuring out a way to win from the upside of that downturn or whatever it is that drove us to that position is what I would do. Now for me, if I had 500 bucks in my pocket, I, cause I'm a, I was a high paying engineering tech professional. I could yeah. always just go back and do that, save my money and then start flipping single family homes and get back into the game again pretty quick. So, yeah. you know, that, that'd be my, probably my way back up. Nice. Well, you kind of did this anyhow with the, with, with 2008. Yeah, exactly. Second question. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? So the biggest business mistake I've ever made was when I dove into what got way over my head, highly leveraged, all in on one deal, fully recourse and pre-development, my very first deal. And wow. I did not, I did not pay, I got very, I guess, very excited about really high returns and I did not pause. I maybe I'm justified. I didn't have time to, so I was kind of relying on just like the track record of a single developer. But I didn't look. I didn't zoom out far enough to look at here's the market cycles, right? And and we're the survivor cycle. Yeah. And I, I zoomed out just far enough to look at the last like four deals and saw how well they had done. And and so yeah. My biggest mistake was investing for shorter term gains and not looking at the longer term vision. Sure. Got it. Yeah. And that's, that'll be the one that comes back and bites you. You know, you're, you're trying to make that, trying to make your millions off the first deal. And it's like, okay, that's not going to, it's the people that are more consistent over time. They're the ones that make the money. Yeah. What's a good book that you'd recommend for our audience? So one of the family offices that invests with me is a dear friend. His name's Trey Taylor. He wrote a CEO does these three things. And tell you what, love that book. In fact, I run every morning and I listen to podcasts, TED Talks, and audiobooks. And I'm always engaging in personal improvement on those runs. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll listen at one and a half percent, uh, one and a half times. But I actually slowed it down to 1.25 and then I slowed it down to one. And when I talked to Trey, I said, that's the best compliment I can give you. Yeah. <laughs> because it is, if you're really passionate about getting about your organization and you're a CEO or an entrepreneur and you want to learn how to foster and grow that and foster the right kind of community within your company, a CEO does these three things. You should read it at least three times. I love it. Absolutely. And listen to it at, at single speed. I'd say was, same yeah, way yeah. you, I, I blasted out, you know, one and a half times on most books. And there's been a few that I, I have to come back and say, okay, let's do it at one because I really need to absorb this information or it's worthwhile. So awesome. Awesome. What is a tool that you use in your business that you might recommend? Right now, I mean, I just did a whole, so I, we do with PassiveInvestingMastery.com, we do these educational webinars and we'll do panels with Okay, we just did one on on laundry mats, self storage, car washes, multifamily, oil and gas. We just kind of duped it out and talked about these alt assets. I just did one on AI, just me, 
Yeah. And all I did was talk about practical tools to advance your, your business, practical AI tools to advance your business. And I'm constantly using ChatGPT, Google Bard, and a slew of other AI tools because it is just extraordinary yeah. the amount of ways that it has made us more efficient as an organization. And so I, I did a whole presentation just on that and got, I got a lot of really good feedback. Have you gotten onto the Monica train yet? No, I haven't. That is the coolest thing since sliced bread. So it it take Monica, you just do I think it's Monica.com or something like that. You can go on there and what that one does is it aggregates Chat GPT, Microsoft Bard, or, or, or Google Bard, and I think two or three others. So it's one of these things where it's like it conglomerates all your answers into one. I lose the way I was AI. API tools yeah. to do that. And so I can actually select how long I want the answers to be, the temperature, the level of creativity, right. and I can throttle back the expense that I want. To, and I can get all, I can select which AI tools and which versions of what AI tools. Oh, I love it. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So we're, I'm doing some things. I'll take a look at Monica, but yeah. there's a lot of really cool stuff out there along those lines. And I'm seeing, I think I just saw Zoom this morning added an AI tool into it. So, you know, I used to have my annoying AI tool that would pop into these things. Well, now it just automatically is in in the Zoom tool. So it's, I it just, I think AI is the the world of the future. And, you know, I don't think people need to worry that we're going to be in uh, the the Terminator or something like that. So uh, Agreed. I think it's, it's a productivity enhancer for most of us. Okay. Last question. What is your definition of freedom? Well, so the ability for us to live where we would like to live, I think, and to be able to choose what we get to do when we wake up. Like, right, when we were during COVID, my wife came out one day and was like, hey, let's move to Hawaii. So I had us on a plane two and a half weeks later, you know? And and so, right, it was just that ability to just pick up and and move. And my wife, she does feature-length animated film producing, uh, but she doesn't have to. She does it because she loves it. Yeah. And I love I like that. And she can do it from anywhere in the world, wherever you decide to be. So. Right. Right. That's fantastic. So, Patrick, if somebody wants to learn more about what you guys do, learn about some of your educational resources, where's the best place to go? So I go to PassiveInvestingMastery.com, PassiveInvestingMastery.com. And you can see information about our acquisitions fund, our income fund, which is the asset-backed debt. You can also register for our educational series on alternative investments. And we're we're trying to do there, and you can set a meeting up with me. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. And if you do set up a meeting with me, we, we ship out a copy of our of my Amazon bestseller for free. I It's got a, a lot of great content. I did a chapter along with Phil Collin, the lead guitarist of Def Leppard, and NFL, NBA players. It's Persistence, Pivots, and Game Changers, Turning Challenges and Opportunities. Such a fun book to write and it, it, it inspires a lot of people. So we, I just I just ship out free copies and I sign up. But yes, jump over there at the very least, jump into our educational series, start getting more aware of places you can invest outside of the stock market. You'll hear from all kinds of people doing all kinds of stuff. We have recordings from some of the past ones. And uh, we, we have multifamily stuff on our Invest on Main Street. It's our, it's our sister company website as well. So you'll see a lot of stuff and articles I've written on Forbes and ways you can begin to kind of chip away at increasing the financial awareness of the financial IQ and alternatives 
to that wild ride of that stock market. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the the wild ride where you don't have any driving control in that. <laughs> That's exactly. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for being on today. It was really a pleasure and love where you're doing. I, you know, once again, another alternative for our audience that qualifies for this, but I think just learning about some of these other passive income alternatives and, and using alternatives in your portfolio. So thanks a lot for being on. I appreciate you and I appreciate you being up early for this today. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right. Well, folks, as always, we do these twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So make sure that you take the opportunity to subscribe to the channel so that you're getting these. And if you have a chance where you're watching this or listening to it, give us a a five star, give us an up arrow, give us a, a thumbs up, whatever you can do to let us know that you're out there and share. So thanks a lot. And we'll see you guys back here the very next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.